Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Through Their Eyes podcast. Again, a podcast where we get a chance to look at the world and the church through the eyes of those around us. I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. And I'm your host, Michael Clark. And we are so excited to be here. Uh, episode number nine. This is our very last episode of our summer season content. So we're grateful that you've been with us uh, this entire time. If this is your first episode with us, then go back, check out all the other ones, and hopefully they'll be beneficial to you. If you're also hearing maybe a little bit of background noise, then yeah, uh, just understand uh, kind of our setting. We're currently recording on Thursday of uh, the 2021 MSOP lectureship, and we're recording here in the display area at our booth. And so that's why maybe you hear a little bit of background noise. Uh, and if that if that's the case, then hopefully you'll still be able to hear what we say and we'll still be able to get through uh, this episode. Just as always, as a, rem- as a reminder, don't forget all of our social media plugins. You can find all of that in our show notes below, as well as our email address. Don't forget to also give us a rating or review whenever you have an opportunity, and that certainly would help us, and that would be beneficial to us. We do have a guest on this show, as always, Brother Alan Webster. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's great to be with you. Absolutely. Brother Alan, give us a little bit of a background, I guess, as to who you are, maybe an introduction. I think most people would probably know who you are, but uh, maybe there's some folks out there listening. Uh, maybe tell them a little bit about you and uh, kind of things you do. I've been preaching for about 35 years, I guess. Uh, finished my work with Jacksonville, Alabama congregation the end of last year and began teaching at the Memphis School of Preaching and Georgia School of Preaching. Enjoying that very much. Um, also work with House to House, Art to Heart, and Polishing the Pulpit, two works that um, have taken off and keep me pretty busy. <laughs> Enjoy traveling and preaching gospel in different places too. Yeah, well, we're talking today about spreading the gospel through publication and uh, writing specifically. And of course, if you know anything about Brother Alan Webster, you know uh, the man has written a lot in his time as a minister and as a preacher, has published a lot of different things. And I, I'd like to kind of just talk to you about that side of things, as well as maybe some more information on like polishing the pulpit for people who don't know that event, uh, house to house, your Bible correspondence courses that you've done, and uh, the tracks and Maybe what you're currently doing at MSOP specifically, kind of some of the information of what you're currently involved in, uh, in a little bit more of a detail, if you don't mind. Be happy to. Uh, you mentioned a lot of things there, so let's right. start. Let's start with uh, <laughs> let's start with tracks. Uh, I've written about 450 or so tracks that wow. are used in congregations uh, to reach out to their communities for the gospel. They're on a wide variety of topics and. Uh, we began that several years ago because we were offering through House to House, Heart to Heart to communities, tracks that had been written, and uh, several of those that were sending out House to House said, well, these uh, looked like they were printed in the 1970s. Could we <laughs> maybe maybe do something a little more attractive? So we uh, decided we would um, put together some tracks and make them more appealing to as far as the cover, but also, uh, of course, the emphasis is on the content because uh, you don't want to be uh, thunder without lightning. You want to have sure. content that uh, will teach us the truth effectively. And so we've tried to do that through the years. So I write about 30 tracks a year. Those are featured in House to House, Heart to Heart. Each issue that comes out has uh, new offerings, and that keeps, I think, everything fresh. And those that are studying their Bibles, interested about learning what God's will is on various topics, they have an opportunity to uh, get those for free and read in the privacy of their homes and there's no threat to them. They don't feel like someone's pressuring them. They can open their Bibles and read a track and see if what is said in the track is 
is also in harmony with the scriptures. Uh, we also have, I think, five Bible correspondence courses that approach uh, teaching the gospel to sinners, primarily those outside the church, but also beneficial to young people in homeschool situations and new Christians and even Christians who are mature but want to learn more in a systematic approach. Uh, those come from different perspectives. There's one on int general introduction to the Bible where we just approach uh, someone who is wanting to know more about the Bible and getting the big picture first, and then it's easier to fill in the, the books, the chapters, the verses, the doctrines, once you understand where the Bible is going, the overall view of it. There's one on apologetics for someone who's not sure if the Bible is the Word of God, not sure there is a God in heaven, not sure Jesus is the Son of God. You have to begin a little earlier than just the Bible says with that mindset. So we go into the evidences for the existence of God and the inspiration of Scripture, the deity of Christ. And that one is 10 lessons. The others are eight. So there's a good bit of material there, uh, which is in our current culture really uh, more and more necessary as you teach the gospel to your neighbors and to young people. There's not the assumption we once had that everyone believes in God and everyone agrees the Bible is what we should be going by. They may disagree about what it says, but no longer can we make that assumption. Sure. And uh, there's one on the church, one on the gospel plan of salvation. So we approach it from different uh, perspectives. So you can adjust according to the person you're wanting to reach, knowing their background. You can start them on a study that will be hopefully accelerate their understanding of Scripture. Uh, you also mentioned um, my work here with Memphis School of Preaching. I'm really enjoying teaching these young men who are um, preparing to go out and carry the gospel uh, for the rest of their lives to this generation. We have a lot of talented young men who've come our way. Uh, I say young men. Most of them are, are younger than I am. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple that are as old or older than me, so there's no uh, age requirement to coming to school. But um, I, I'm really enjoying their enthusiasm, their desire to know the Word of God and live by it. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to study the Scriptures every day. And uh, it's a lot of, it's very labor intensive when you first begin to teach a class or a book of the Bible, a lot of reading. I'm also writing notes as I go and that I give to the students. So I remember when I was in school here, uh, I took notes, but I didn't really know how to take notes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, those were not as beneficial to me as they could have been. Sure. So I have, uh, I, I'm giving them, I hope, a leg up on that so that when they get out, they will have uh, a comprehensive notes in the books that I'm teaching. Awesome. Usually maybe 100 pages of notes uh, um, per book. And once they get out and they're going to teach that in a Bible class or some other setting, they can go back through those notes and uh, add to them and uh, really adjust them to what will be effective. But they'll have something, and that's something I think is very important. You come to come to a school of preaching to learn how to preach and what to preach. Sure. So we emphasize both. I try to talk to them about uh, local work and what they can expect and how they can be effective and uh, try to inspire them to be good Bible students and be soul winners. Uh, we really need this crop of young people, young preachers, to be effective because our world, if it ever needed the gospel, it needs it now. Mm, no uh, doubt. So, so that work is very enjoyable. Also, teaching the Georgia School of Preaching, and that's set up on a little different model. And um, it has 
uh, those that are training to preach, but also those that are already preaching and just coming back in for continuing education. Uh, a lot of the students through the Georgia School of Preaching are just members, elders, deacons, Bible teachers that want to learn the Bible and want to have a, an advanced Bible class more than they might be able to get just with a Wednesday night or Sunday morning Bible class. And so that's enjoyable in a different way. Uh, you also mentioned uh, polishing the pulpit. We began that years ago um, <clears throat> with just three preachers. We were wanting to plan our sermons for the next year and to have a, a little bit more cover all the bases approach and not just you know, seat of the pants, whatever I'm thinking about this week is what I'm going to preach. And uh, we we got together and we prayed about it. We talked about it. We did research. We shared our sermons from the previous year with each other. And and then we decided uh, after I moved to Alabama, I was in Mississippi when we first started it and uh, had some friends that were preachers in the area and we invited them to come. And, and uh, Eddie Gilpin, who was preaching at that time uh, in Munford, Alabama, he said, you know, this is this is good. We ought to invite more people to this. <laughs> so we said, well, that's a good idea. So we, we did. And then we said, well, you know, while we got these preachers together, we ought to have somebody to talk to us, you know, someone who can instruct us in uh, preaching. So we invited Wendell Winkler, who was uh, my mentor, and I had studied under him at Faulkner University. And so he was gracious and came. And, well, we just really enjoyed those sessions, all-day sessions, where you could um, – ask questions, you know, you visit with each other. And we asked him to talk about certain topics that he prepared to speak on. It was very rich. And um, then we invited uh, Johnny Ramsey and VP Black and Tom Holland, yeah. some, uh, some of those great legendary preachers that we miss so much now who've gone on to their reward. But they came in and talked to us about, you know, everything from funerals to the book of Revelation or how to deal with criticism, a lot of topics that every every preacher needs to know about. And then uh, it just continued to grow. We decided we would, at first we went to the different cities where the preachers who were involved lived. And so we ended up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Salem, Virginia, and Jackson, Tennessee, different places. And in each of those areas, we invited the preachers from that city or area to come if they wanted to. And it sort of gained more notoriety, more uh, people say, well, I'm going to come back to this wherever you have it. And then we invited uh, others to come. Somebody said, well, you know, while, while we're here, our wives are coming with us now. Why don't we have some classes for the wives? So we added that. And then an elder came one year and he said, oh, this is good. We should really have classes for elders here. <laughs> and uh, so we added that. And then so it's just grown uh, from those three people to more than 5,000 people now come to Sevierville, Tennessee in August each year. And it's for families and church leaders, just everybody. There's a place for everybody at PTP. And, of course, the, the pandemic has affected us uh, last year and this year. So we're excited to plan for 2022. We expect that it will be the biggest we've had because, sure. you know, people are missing it and wanting right. to come. And, <laughs> and not everybody gets to come every year anyway because of you know, schedule conflicts or yeah, they can't afford to come every year, but, but they've been saving up for two years. So I think everybody will, will <laughs> come right. next year. That's right. We're excited. We're excited about it. Yeah. PTP has been a huge blessing in my life, Michael, as I know it has been in yeah, yours absolutely. as well. Um, it's always a, a highlight of my year being able to get together with Christians, you know, 5,000 Christians uh, plus, um, and to spend a week together learning about the word of God and, and fellowship. And, uh, let me, and Michael's got something. Let me ask you this real quick though. When you, kind of sat down 
with those two other preachers or three other preachers and you guys talked about kind of what you wanted to do, did you have any idea, you know, and however long ago that was that now you have an event that's, you know, known worldwide and 5,000 plus people come? We had no idea. (laughs) We had no idea. We thought it was great when we had 50 people come. (laughs) Wow, this thing is really huge. Right. Uh, and we, God saw something we didn't see, sure. you know, we, we were pretty far along before we probably, uh, when we were in Huntsville, Alabama, we had probably, uh, in every place we went, it filled it up. You know, it's like God was filling up whatever venue we put it in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but it filled up the, the Holiday Inn Conference Center in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm not sure what year that was. And I, I remember thinking, you know, this thing could probably grow pretty big because uh, people are getting excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we moved to Sevierville and parked it there because it's just too too big to move around. It's right. too, the logistics are, are really more difficult now than they were when it's just a few people. So, But the first year we hit 1,000, I thought, wow, we've got 1,000 people coming mm-hmm. to PTP. And then it's just every year it's grown yeah. by, you know, 20% most. Uh, you know, we're, we've been there 10 or, 10 or 12 years now. So it, it was growing at 30%, 20%, 10%. Of course, that, that's still about the same number of people because of the number that's starting with is larger. Right. Yeah. I told my elders when I was interviewing at Somerville, I said, I will not take this job if you don't <laughs> let me go to PTP. <laughs> and so uh, I'd asked my dad, I said, is that an unreasonable request? And he said, just ask it the nicest way you know how. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's been for, for almost 10 years. You know, if it weren't for the pandemic, it would have been my 10th year this year to go. And so it, it has been a, a portion of my life that I just, I will not give up until I'm just not able to go anymore. Yeah. We, we also have elders that won't hire a preacher until they say, <laughs> yeah. we want you to go to PTP. Right. Are you willing to do that? That's right. right. And that, that's definitely a blessing when elders see the benefit of sending preachers yeah. to PTP yeah. because we say all the time, preachers need to be preached too. Yeah. That's right. Um, and you have, because you have to constantly yeah. be learning and constantly be growing and Policy of Pulpit is definitely one of those ways to do so. Alan, let me ask you this. We need to kind of move on just for the sake of time. Uh, we've got a ladies' class coming in here in the next few minutes, so we've got, to, we've got to roll through this episode fairly quickly. But Alan, talk about the importance of promoting the gospel through publication, because I know, uh, I think some people maybe think tracks maybe are kind of maybe going out or writing just in general is going because everybody's going so such to a digital age. But obviously, it's still important. Publication is still very, very important. So talk about the importance of that. Um, I've been teaching the students here that reading connects you with the past Mm. and writing connects you to the future. Mm. So, you know, I read uh, every week people who have been dead for 200 years or more. And, um, and those men who have been great gospel preachers, pioneer preachers and preachers that, uh, I just mentioned some of their names that lived a generation ago. You know, their effectiveness ceased as far as their personalities, as far as their ability to stand and address a crowd. But they are still influencing the world. Sure. They're doing that primarily through their writings, the books they wrote, the tracks they wrote, the courses, uh, the sermons that they left behind. So I, th- I think that the world moving to a digital age has made the marketplace more stringent. Uh, it's just like anything else, um, in any field you wanted to look at. Those that do their work well last, and those that are mediocre, they soon lose their influence or, or they lose their business, whatever field you're in. So uh, tracks have not gone away. Um, 
books are not going away. Right. But you have to do a good job with the track if you're going to if it's going to be effective because even junk mail now looks good, mm. you know. So people are not going to read something, not going to be uh, attracted to something that doesn't look attractive, and that they're not going to waste their time reading something that's not effectively written or not well written. So we have to do a better job. Uh, I think that's one thing we've tried to emphasize through the years is let's let's do all we do for the Lord with excellence. And I really think that instead of writing going away, since there is less of it, less competition in the same forms, that we now have a better audience than we did before. There's less mail, for instance, house to house, heart to heart is mailed to community saturation mailings into whole communities at a time. And there used to be a time when you go to the mailbox and you would get, you know, 30 pieces of mail. But now you go and you get three. And even bills are, you know, electronic and you put right. them automatically. So going in the mailbox and getting something, it's like, well, well, it's not going to be buried at the bottom of a stack. Sure. Right? And, uh, and people, you know, they, they read it, they like it, and they say, well, oh, I read that last time. I really enjoyed that. Or maybe they threw it away last time, but now they just went through the death of a loved one. Mm-hmm. And they're really wanting something more, wanting to know more about the Bible or religion or spirituality, as they say, oh, look at this. So it comes at the right time. Sure. Well, it's important. We talk about promoting the gospel. You know, we have a, a Bible mainly because God took the time to write it That's right. and, and inspire men to write what needed to be said. And so we know the importance in publication. And that's the way we got the Bible is through writing. And so how difficult is it, though, Alan, for churches to get involved in spreading the gospel through publication, because obviously what I've noticed at our congregation here is we have almost a, every single track that we can get from you, and right. we have your correspondence <clears throat> courses. And so we've we've gone the more easier route of saying these are good men, they've published these good works, let's utilize it. If a church wants to get involved in, in doing that, but also maybe even the preacher says, I want to do some writing too, how difficult can that be? What potential roadblocks will they find? Well, it's a good question. Well, let's, this is really two questions. So let's start first with the question about getting involved with what's already out there. And that's the, the easier route, and, and the kinks have already been worked out, and the costs are, have been driven down because of volume. So with House to House, Heart to Heart, for instance, you want to send out, out in your community, it's really simple. You just uh, contact uh, our organization. Matt Walling is who handles that, and he will, you know, in 15 minutes can have you up to speed. You don't have to go to the post office to get a postal permit that's already taken care of through our postal permit. Um, If you want to contribute content to your local mailing, then you can do that every issue. There's an an article in the back. And we encourage preachers to write those because you want to have a personal connection to your community. And you can put your picture on it so that when they see you at Walmart or somewhere, Mm -hmm. they say, oh, that's that's the preacher at the Church of Christ. So you uh, maybe have opportunity to talk to some people you would not have opportunity to talk to. And you can also advertise your local events. You know, you got VBS coming up. Well, you can put that out there. And a lot of times people with their children will, will venture to go to a congregation they might not have gone to on a Sunday, but it's going on during the week and, or on a Saturday. And, oh, I really want my children to know about the Bible. So, so you can let people know about what what the local church is doing, if you have a radio program or a television program or a website or whatever it is that's going on, you can let them know. And, and that brings people 
to your website and then to your services. Uh, second question is, if you wanted to get involved yourself in writing, well, um, there's so many ways to write, but we'll start with publication uh, in something that goes out into a community since we were talking about that. Um, someone can do that and you just go to your local printer and, and you know, you'll, you'll need to have some skill at layout or get someone to do it for you. And then the content needs to be scriptural first. It needs to be um, mostly short articles because people don't read long articles as much. We have one feature article each, each issue that runs probably 1,200 <coughs> words, sometimes 1,500 words. But other than that, we held it to uh, a couple hundred words per article, and people are more likely to, to be drawn in to read, read that. So keep that in mind. Also, the expense will be more because you won't be printing as much. We print a couple million, sometimes three million at a time, and uh, the efficiencies are better for printers once they get the press running. And they, it helps them. They don't have to have the additional cost of, um, you know, the setup is really the big expense with printing. But uh, you could print a thousand copies and it might, you know, it might run you 50 cents a piece or 75 cents a piece. But, you know, if you're only doing a thousand, that's affordable for a lot of churches. Sure. And then if you want to talk about uh, writing and getting involved in getting the word out through, through writing, um, you know, there's so many ways, but probably the best way and the, and the most inexpensive way is to um, work with the, the platform, social media platforms that we have. You know, we think about writing being something that's published on paper and uh, that is effective, but, you know, writing a Facebook post or writing a blog and building your audience by quality and by attitude, you know, people are drawn to someone who, um, who has a, beautiful attitude and who is reasonable and who does not, you know, confront them or maybe try to embarrass them. You know, we want to carry the gospel to people in a way that makes it easy for them to engage with us. And uh, we, we don't compromise the truth, but we are willing to listen. And the reason the Bible says, Isaiah 1 and 18, that come let us reason together, you know, and Jesus and the apostles, uh, they, they disputed. They debated with uh, the religious leaders, but with the common people. And Jesus was very patient in dealing with them. So I think that's important to remember your tone. Remember that just because you're dealing with one person, maybe in an inter interchange, there are other people watching. And uh, there are other people who are going to make some judgments about the church based on how we handle ourselves. So I always want to do that with the right attitude. And also be careful before you put something in publication. Now, you don't want to go off half-cocked and say something that doesn't represent the gospel well or that is false doctrine sure. you, know, you just didn't think through. Right. So uh, sometimes I will, I'll, I'll always spend a good bit of time writing an article and don't publish it until it's ready. But sometimes if it's something I'm not 100% sure how I should express this or what I believe about this, I'll just lay it aside. You know, And there's a track that I've written that I've never published because I haven't got it exactly like I think it needs to be. And once it's published, it's published. You know, it, right. it's, it'll be out yeah. there 50 years from now, probably. Right. Somebody will bring it up and say, did you write this? And <laughs> do you believe this? I, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, bring the feathers back into the pillow sure. after they're in the wind. So. <laughs> I, no, I think that's, that's hugely important. 
Um, and one of the things that we do at the Scattered Abroad Network is we have what we call a QA team or a quality assurance team. Yeah. Basically, they run through all of our material. That's smart. Um, just to make – it's not that we don't trust anybody in our network. I mean, we would, they wouldn't be in the network if we That's didn't right. trust them. Right. But it's just, you know, sometimes, like, like you mentioned, you could just put something in there and it could just come out the wrong way. Yeah. And you didn't mean it that way. And, that's right. But that's why we have that, just to make sure um, that nothing goes out that could potentially lead someone – in the wrong direction yeah. or that could potentially jeopardize our souls um, with the stuff that we put out. Let me ask you this is, and I know that this is true when it comes to podcasting and this mm-hmm. is somebody comes up and asks me about a, how to do a podcast. And I always tell them consistency is so key um, when podcasting, you have to upload same time, same day, you know, yeah. just be consistent. So people know what's coming out and when it's coming out is the same. Can the same thing be said with publication or is that this consistency not really play apart as much in publication? You know, that's a good question. I haven't really considered that before much, but I would say it depends on how they consume or receive the material. You know, if they're just looking for a track in a track rack, they're probably not going to pay attention to, oh, it's the first of the month. You know, the tracks are going to be coming out. But if it's something that they're receiving, um, you know, maybe I think the there is something about a cumulative effect of house to house, heart to heart. You, know, just, you send it out one time, and it may not, they may not even register that they've gotten something new in the mail. Sure. But over time, you know, if you send it out, uh, you, you can't go much beyond two months and connect it to the previous one from what the post office research says. So, so that's the reason we, we initially started with two-month publication cycle. Now we do one month. Um, but I think it's important to um, not have skips in that so that people, you know, if you – if you publish once, you know, at the beginning of the year or gospel meeting time or something, but then you don't do it again for another year or two years, probably not going to be as effective as people who are, you know, you're building your audience. So I think that's right. what you do with pro- with podcasting is, you know, that way your people know when to look for you and they liked it last time, so they'll tune back in. So you're sort of building an audience over time. Same thing can be true with, with writing and, and you should give them the opportunity you're probably not going to convert somebody with one publication, you know, yeah. maybe you will. In some cases, somebody's really hungry for truth and, and that might be all it takes. But normally, if you're going to change your mind, it's going to take, you know, several articles, several issues. And over time, where you're tearing down a barrier and building a bridge that will lead to a Bible study that leads to a conversion. No doubt. Yeah, that's important. Now, the, the one thing I've always wondered, too, is someone that's written as much as you have written, and obviously the Bible has a plethora of topics to discuss, but how do you select what you're going to write about? Because that, that's, as a preacher, sitting there at the end of the year looking to the next year for right. sermons, it's a daunting task. I cannot imagine what you have done and how, how do you just go through that process? And I get asked that a good bit. It's like, where do you come up with ideas or do you ever not have ideas? And the truth is, I have got enough ideas to write for five more years without even adding something to it. There's, there's so much. But, um, but, but here are some ideas, some thoughts about that. Um, initially, I would just write whatever I was interested in, you know. Uh, but over time, that has uh, become, I think, much more effective. We, we reach out to the congregations that send House to House Heart Heart out to their communities um, about October of each year when I'm planning the next year. And say, so what, what topics do you think would be effective in your community? What, what do we need to talk about? And we get great ideas from that. And then I will uh, spend some time. A lot of times, almost always, when I was in local work, I would preach 
the topic that I'm writing about. I'd preach a month on on it if it's grace or baptism or whatever. Generally, I I would do a lot of research and then I'd have enough for nine sermons or twelve sermons on it. But it would only be one article, mm-hmm. and I, I'd probably spend two weeks on that on uh, writing that article. Um, sometimes only a week, but but rarely less than a week is spent writing uh, what I call a premium article or something that's going to read you know going to be read by a million hopefully a million or more people. Sure. So you spend a lot of time on it. So I think that's that's one thing you reach out to people and you say what what's needed. And also once you've written you know with, with like a track series, every week I get a request. Um, you know, do you have anything on this or? Uh, could we? Could you write something on this? I really need it. It would help me in my evangelism. Uh, like last week, I got an unusual topic come in. A lady said, uh, well, "Could you write something on dealing with the grief, grief with the death of a pet?" <laughs> and I thought, at first, I had the same reaction as you, but the more I thought about it, you know, grief is grief. Sure. Yeah. You know, you, sure. you can grieve over the loss of a spouse or a child. You can grieve over the loss of a job, or you can grieve over the loss of a pet. Yeah. You know, and there's love there, so there's grief there. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know that I'll be able to write that or get around to it, but I may. You know, I think it would be the same principles, and I do have a couple of tracks on dealing with grief, but it would be the same principles that, you know, you deal with with other kinds sure. of grief, but you would just apply it a little differently. So those ideas come in. I think if you're looking for ideas, read widely, you know, be interested in um, I, I, most of my ideas come out of research. I don't start out with, and you know, I'm going to write on this. I just start out saying I'm going to preach a sermon on, you know, Acts two, Ephesians two, Revelation twenty one, some chapter, right. and then I just gather material and read. I try to read between one one hundred and two hundred pages on uh, for any sermon, and once you get into reading, you know, the, that much material, there are ideas that jump out at you from the reading. And then that's, oh, that would be interesting if, you know, I took that idea. Sure. So that's, and also reading outside the Bible, you know, history, biography, even to some extent uh, fiction. But I think primarily nonfiction, I get a lot of ideas. And and a lot of your good illustrations come out of Mm. the things that allow us to connect audiences, um, come from, you know, those extra biblical sources that you tie in. Because the Bible is a book that just deals with life. Sure. Sure. you, you really can help people to see for the light bulb to go off, for the window to open a little slide in with an illustration that maybe at the beginning of an article that, you know, sets, creates a little thirst for, well, I do wonder about that. Sure. You know, I want to see what he says about it. Sure. Are, do you do this thing where people are allowed to, I guess, kind of reach out to you and contact you about specific tracks they would like to see, they would like for you to write about? That maybe or do you, you just get about? unsolicited demands or requests. <laughs> I, I never reach out and ask for ideas. Right. Uh, except for, as I mentioned, about the House to House sure. articles. And those become tracks. You know, after they're written and published in House to House, they will be a track the next year or sometimes even the same year uh, accelerate that process. But I, I generally write, you know, somebody sends in a, a request or um, asks, asks for a topic or it sends in material even. That's done a year in advance, sometimes two years in advance. Before I decided, or before I came here to, to teach, I went ahead and did all of the house to house issues for this year and all the tracks for this year and half of next year because I wanted to free up time to be able to study for these classes. 
And uh, those, so those things are already written and proofed and edited, and they're waiting for the designer ahead of time. And, okay. and I, gotcha. I used to just wait, you know, until, uh-oh, we have a deadline. I've got to figure <laughs> yeah. out what I'm going to. But you yeah. don't do your best work that way. Right. You know, you right. do your best work when you plan ahead and you have more opportunity to tweak it, you know, adjust it, replace something. Sure. If you think, find something better. So, uh, I, I, you know, I'm open to ideas, but I don't generally reach out for ideas about articles. So they, they get assigned to you as a preacher. If you write for Spiritual Sword, for instance, Brother Hires so, you know, send you a request, uh, an assignment. You generally have a month to write that. Sure. And, um, and so then that becomes a track too. You know, you, whatever you do, you know, your lectureship book assignment, uh, that, that becomes a track because you spend a lot of time. You know, if you're going to do something, do it right and then sure. use it as widely as you can because sure. it's not the same consumers that read the Memphis School of Preaching lectureship book or the Spiritual Sword periodical that will pick up a track right. in a, at a world's fair or a church, uh, you know, for your area. Well, I know I'm, I'm very thankful. I think Caleb and I would both agree. We're jealous of the students right now because they've <laughs> yeah. got two writers and brother Waycaster, <laughs> right. brother Webster that, and of course, brother Mosier's written books, but the amount of tracks, the amount of books that have been written right now on the faculty right. far surpass what I know of when I was in school. And so uh, I wish I could have been able to go through school at the time that they were here. So I'm grateful that you're there teaching you. these young men how no to doubt. write because that is a needed thing that we have to have in the brotherhood is more publications because Satan's not stopped writing and we don't need to either. And so That's I'm right. thankful to you, Brother Allen, for that. Absolutely. I think Michael and I also need to get on the student list so we can get access to those notes that you yes, hold out absolutely. to. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> because I think Michael and I both agree, neither one of us really knew how to take yes. notes when we went That's into right. school. <laughs> but Alan, I appreciate you so much for being on the show. I feel like maybe this was a little bit rushed episode just because of our setting. Uh, but Alan, thanks so much for taking time and uh, talking to us about a lot of the works you do. I appreciate everything that you do for the Brotherhood. Uh, Caleb, thank you. I've enjoyed it very much. Absolutely. Well, thank you to our listeners for listening to us on the Through the Rise podcast. Again, as always, we'll put links to all of Brother Allen's work uh, with House to House, PTP, MSOP, and all those other things in our show notes below. Mm -hmm. And certainly you can reach out uh, in those platforms and find those kinds of things. Also, don't forget in our show notes are all of our social media plugins, our email address. And as always, don't forget to give us a rating or view if you can. We do have a very special episode coming up this Thursday. It's our very last episode for our summer content period for this year. Uh, very special episode on the Did That Really Happen podcast. And uh, Michael and I haven't quite worked out all the details at the point of recording this episode. Right. Uh, but by the time you're listening to this, everything will be worked out and you'll have a very special episode um, in a couple of days. So hopefully you're looking forward to that. On behalf of all of us here at the Scattered Abroad Network, thank you so much and God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.